Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. And again, it's two members of the ward. We have John and Dietra Ogden. Dietra has promised she's not going to say anything. <laughs> so who knows? But she is here. And um, I have ants that are crawling on me. So <laughs> if, if I get distracted, maybe that's why. So welcome. Welcome to our little ward podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. And I know that um, some people are more glad to be here <laughs> than others. So I appreciate you being here. So as we... Um, have had several episodes now. We're just kind of talking about what is it getting to know members of the ward. So I'm going to start with John because because he's closer to me. John, what's your story? Tell us about where you grew up, where you came from, and how how did you land in Indiana? Okay. So um, I was born in Salt Lake City while my father was attending the University of Utah. Okay. And uh, so I am a native-born Utahan and a member of the church all my life. We, uh, he was in the Air Force, and we moved quickly between San Angelo, or Bainbridge, Georgia, San Angelo, Texas, and ended up in Sacramento, California by about the age of three. Okay. And uh, that's where I, I, I lived until I went away to college. And uh, as a, a young boy, I was an avid baseball player. I liked playing all sports, uh-huh. but I, was, uh, I can remember I, I lived on a neighborhood with uh, boys who were about three years older than me. And so um, I learned sports quickly as a, at a young age, and, and I enjoyed them all of my life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I enjoy, yeah, I have enjoyed baseball all my life, and, uh, but as you get older, those opportunities sort of get, you know, you lose them. Um, but I, I have to laugh, you know, Silas Smith in church sometimes tells that he didn't have that normal kind of, you know, Mormon life. Right. I did have that Mormon life, right? Kind of I, uh, traditional. I, and... Very traditional. I grew up with my family who my parents were both born and lived in little southern Utah towns. Um, my genealogy is that they moved to mid-central southern Utah in the 1850s mm-hmm. from uh, England and uh, lived in Manti and Ephraim and Richfield. And that's how it is. And that's where the family has always been. Uh, growing up in Sacramento, I was your typical, my mom was my den mother. I was in Cub Scouts. I got all the awards. My dad was my, or my mother was my guide patrol leader. My dad was my scoutmaster. I got an eagle. I, uh, all these different things, you know, won my, du- got my duty to God award, got all the Aaronic priesthood things, was in all the presidencies of all the Aaronic priesthood. All the things that you would expect of somebody who's living in a, um, in that world. It doesn't make it better or worse. It just right. is that, that is, that's my story, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at the age of, uh, in third grade, I they te- connect to your Wi-Fi <laughs> You can find setup instructions in the help section. Of the oh, Alexa is in. <laughs> Alexa's talking to Alexa's us. Alexa's talking to us. We're fine. <laughs> so, um, but uh, in, I think in third grade, they tested us to, to see whether or not we should, how we should pro- progress in our schooling. Mm-hmm. And I was in a group that they identified that we should try to progress as fast as we could. And so they put us into a classroom and told us for the next couple of years, learn math and English and things at the fastest pace you can. And by doing that, we managed to get through fourth, fifth, and sixth grade in two years. Oh, nice. Then we went on to seventh grade, and it wasn't continued. And so it was kind of a strange world. Yeah. But my birthday is in late is in October, and because of the con, con, this whole thing, I ended up graduating from high school at 16. 
Wow. And so uh, I went off to BYU at 16 and completed a couple of years there in, uh, in pre-med or pre-dent. And uh, microbiology served a mission uh, after two years in uh, Switzerland, German speaking. Mm-hmm. Re- returned from the mission, uh, went back to BYU, was called as a home teacher. Mm-hmm. Went my first time home teaching and I met Deep who was one of the people assigned to me. Oh, nice. So was it, how was it starting BYU? I'm assuming you were on your own for the first time as yeah. you were 16. How, it was interesting. Um, I'd tell you, one of the strangest experiences was uh, going into the Book of Mormon class that you take as a freshman. Uh-huh. And I walked into Book of Mormon, and uh, sitting across from me was a young man that I had known as a missionary who had just returned from his mission. And immediately I thought to myself, how am I possibly going to compete with this returned missionary as a 16-year-old, and he's a 22-year-old returned missionary, and I'm, how am I going to beat his grade? That just tells you what my, my, my whole mentality was, right? Not how am I going to learn about the Book of Mormon or what great things will I learn here. It was how am I going to get an A in this class with him there? Um, but I, I had a girlfriend that I'd had in high school who also went to BYU, and, uh, and she was much smarter than me, and she told me, don't worry, John, it'll be fine. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was okay. So. That's good. But it was, there were a lot of things. Before that, um, imagine entering seminary at 12. Yeah. And all, this, all the things, and going into ninth grade as a 12-year-old. That's, um, that, th- that's a There's a way that you grow up that's there's a, All the way around you, in everything you do, People are years ahead of you. Yeah. Athletically, um, size. You know, age, size, right. uh, puberty, uh-huh. you name it. Social experiences. Social experiences. Yeah. What they talk about, you have no idea what's going right. on. All you kinds of things shaving. are going on. <laughs> except, except in the area of schooling, uh-huh. where I was able to compete with them very well. And in the area of athletics, where when I played my own age group, I was able to do that very well. But yeah. again, imagine I was a a 12-year-old going into high school, and uh, finally I, I made, uh, I started my last game as a, as a senior, as a quarterback on the team, but imagine even then I was still 16 as a senior in high school, and the, uh, the person who was in front of me was a 19-year-old who got drafted by the Detroit Tigers wow. as a pitcher on the, uh, the baseball team, and he got hurt is why I got to play the last game to start with anyway. But yeah, so there are a lot of experiences. I got my driver's license um, halfway through my senior year. I wasn't old enough to date until October of my senior year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, so what I would say is that based on all of this, the uh, the whole idea of the of the song by the birds, turn, 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 that's based on the Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. um, really plays home to me, right? Yeah. I have a close feeling to that, that in our lives, there are times and a season for everything. And, uh, and even though I, I can tell you when I was 14 and all my friends, or when I was 13 and all my friends were going off to church dances at 14, even though they were a year behind me in school, mm-hmm. it, there were moments when you're thinking, oh man, Heavenly Father, this is not easy. Right. right? This is, uh, why, why me? Why now? How come I can't go on this date? Why can't I go to my junior prom? Why can't I do all these things? But... Over, over the terms, you finally you come to a realization in your life that um, that our Heavenly Father doesn't give commandments to punish us. He gives us commandments because He is the um, the author of happiness. Right. And He understands that the best chance we have for happiness is 
Well, I would say he gives us recommendations when it might not matter. But when something is really important to becoming happy, he gives a commandment. Mm. Because he realizes that keeping the commandment leads to happiness and disobeying the commandment leads to sorrow. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to what I said. So I met Deet first week back from my mission. Okay. Um, we, didn't, we didn't date at that time. Our first date came about five months later for a golden green ball. Uh-huh. I remember those. Right. Yep. <laughs> for those of you who are older. And a golden green ball. And we dated for about a month or so. And you'll have to ask her her side of the story. But I think... Um, I told her, this is so me, that if I continued to date her, I would probably ask her to marry me. Uh, okay. Is that, is that sort of a preemptive strike on my part, right? <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and she, she says that she told me, oh, that's okay. If you ask me, I'll know what to say. Uh-huh. But in reality, she goes, oh, give me a break. This is just some <laughs> line some guy is giving me, right? Um, but it turned out that I did. We, uh, in, in April, so that was in February, March, April, April, I proposed to her. August, we were married. Okay. And uh, we went back for my senior year of college. We gra- I graduated. Uh, we, uh, in microbiology, we went to Sacramento. I took a job as a tire warehouseman for a few years. I'm old, so this could take a long time, but I'll, I'll sort of shorten <laughs> it down. You have to go year by year. But, but, uh, <laughs> but the important part is we went back to school, uh-huh. and I got a PhD in microbiology. We went on to Virginia. Did you do that in Sacramento? No, that was BYU Back as well. BYU, okay. And we went on to the University of Virginia for a postdoc for three years. Um, and then we went to, uh, my first job was in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, people might enjoy this one. While in Franklin, Tennessee, um, Elder Christofferson was our, uh, our state president at the time. Okay. Um, but for me, there was a time when I was a high, a high counselor, the state mission president, early morning seminary teacher, all at the same time. That'll keep you busy. It was. <laughs> But I have, I, I worry about, there was one young man in the group named Danny Williamson who saw me almost every day oh, because I was a seminary teacher. And then I would see him on weekends when, and then he would see me in, at church on Sunday. But if there was a Saturday night dance, I was at the stinking Saturday night dance too. <laughs> so Danny could not get rid of me. I mean, it was, uh, but, um, but after that, that when I was, when I was growing up that, and it was mostly my dad. Yes. <laughs> I just couldn't get rid of him. Couldn't get rid of him. He was everywhere. And, uh, so that was 1989. We then moved here. Okay. And, uh, I took a job with what was then Bering Mannheim, and we've lived in here in the same house, raised six kids, and we have 21 grandchildren. Maybe Dee wanted to talk about that, but she can talk more. Okay. She says no. <laughs> but, uh, and we've lived in the, in the same building. And we, chose that, uh, we chose that house because we drove to the building, drove to the first open lot, uh-huh. and built a five-bedroom house because we knew we had 17 years of seminary ahead of us. Yes. <laughs> and you guys are pretty close to the church, which is nice. Um, yeah. It is. You know, there are more stop signs now than there were, but oh, I bet. So we're three, three miles. It's a seven-minute drive for us. It used to be three for us. So yeah. yeah, my children appreciated that. So that's nice. And um, I was going to ask you um, back to your early BYU days. I was seventeen when I graduated high school, and I remember going to BYU as a priest. Just so was a little I. bit uncomfortable because I now I'm going to elders quorum, and so how was that for you? Hmm. Being, you're out of your element because you're still a priest. You're a 16 year old going to elders quorum and, and um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing. So for uh, so I was a priest for two years mm-hmm. because I didn't turn 19 until after my sophomore year. Right, uh, and it would have been my junior year. 
And in those days, they actually had Aaronic priesthood quorums at okay. BYU because most people, most young men did not become elder until they were called on a mission. Oh, right. So almost all the freshmen were in an Aaronic priesthood quorum. And so we had an Aaronic priesthood quorum and it was done that way. And we would, we would pass and bless the sacrament each Sunday, mm -hmm. just as if we were at home. So that, that wasn't unusual. Um, but it was a, a kind of a funny thing is that when I, uh, as a sophomore, I, asked, I would ask a girl out, and the first thing they would ask me is, where did you serve your mission? And then I would say, well, I haven't gone on a mission yet. That was like the last date. It was, <laughs> I wasn't what they were hunting for, it seemed like. Yeah, but, I, um, yeah. I can see that happening. So I'm going to start asking you some questions. Now, sure. Um, so when you first met, well, let me, let me ask you a similar question. Where, where did you come from? What is your, where'd you grow up? Well, quite different than John's. I was born and raised in Southern California. I was okay. born in Downey and we lived in Anaheim and Fullerton and Brea. And when we were in Anaheim, we could see the Disneyland fireworks every night during the summer and stuff. My parents divorced when I was eight, okay. but we always did go to a church. It was, I was not raised Mormon. I was, okay. I was raised Lutheran. But when we moved to Brea, there was the Mormon church that, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right. church, <laughs> four houses down from where my house was. And okay. we would have to go through the parking lot to get to the Lutheran church. And I knew nothing. You know, my, my sister went to primary when they had it during the day okay. because my neighbor took her. So, you know, I knew I had heard of that, but I still didn't. I don't think I ever connected at all. Okay. And then um, I, both my parents drank and they both smoked and I couldn't stand it. Uh -huh. And I found out that that church right in between, you know, they didn't believe in drinking and smoking. I said, I want to learn more. And it's closer. Yeah, much closer. <laughs> <laughs> so I had some friends who were LDS and um, they started talking to me because I would ask questions and stuff. And uh, she, I remember Ellen asking me to a, a dance. And after that dance, it's like, uh, can I come to church with you? And I went every Sunday and went to Young Women. I kind of invited myself to Young uh -huh. Women's, too. I just kept inviting myself to stuff. Right. And I got to say, I had the best attendance in Sunday school. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, I struggled through school. I did not have the smarts that John did. I struggled. I couldn't read. Matter of fact, I didn't really learn. I took reading clinic. Everything was difficult for me. So when I had Paisley, our oldest daughter, it was like, she's not going to have a mom who can't do this. Right. I, I refuse to be that mom. So I would read those golden books out loud to her mm -hmm. because she couldn't tell me, Mom, you can't read. You know, you sound right. really dumb. So I struggled through those. And, and now I've, I've taught myself to read and I, I can read books. And, Good. You know, I still don't like reading out and public because right. it just makes me nervous but um so i went to the jc fullerton J junior college uh -huh. um for two years got my associates and then i transferred to byu and i remember my mom i, I applied to byu i didn't tell my mom because she was not real happy about me being you know joining the church right so and your parents at this time they're, they're still not members? Uh, no, nobody okay. is my family. My parents divorced when I was eight. It was my stepfather and my mom. Okay. And so um, I applied to BYU, 
what the heck, you know, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And I got in, and my sister called me and says, you've got a letter here from BYU. And I said, well, open it and tell me. And she was the one who told me that I got accepted into BYU. Oh, nice. And it was funny because I was scared to death to say anything to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess my sister had told her. And what my mom said was, I feel so sorry for you. You're so unhappy. And I'm going, it's good talking to you. <laughs> I just laughed. <laughs> So, but I told my, my dad, my biological dad, and, and he was thrilled. And my, actually, my stepfather was very pleased, too. Uh-huh. He had no problem, but it was always my mom. Your mom. Because she really thought I sold my soul to the devil. Uh, and, yeah. I, I mean, there's other stories about that. But I think she realized, she came to visit us in Utah one time. And, mm-hmm. and I think she realized, because she really thought, well, my whole family thought I was brainwashed. Uh-huh. And, you know, they were going to do that intervention thing. <laughs> and and I'm just going, guy, do you guys know me at all? You know, I mean, I never fought. I was not a follower. I'm still not a follower. I don't really care, uh-huh. you know. And so um, I, I was a little insulted that, you know, they she didn't believe in me at least that much. Right. I don't know. It was it was interesting. But anyway, I went to BYU and I never worked with a counselor, so I've got plenty of hours, uh-huh. but I never I had had them in the right direction. So I didn't uh, okay. get my degree, which I'm fine with now. Right. But and then I taught um, English as a second language for 16 years. Nice. At, at uh, the HSE schools. Okay. And um, done preschool in school at my house because I had some grandchildren who struggled a little bit. Okay. And, so I worked with them and other kids in the ward and stuff, and that was a blast. I bet. So I know you've loved being in nursery. I love the nursery. And so ESL is it? Do they do they group everybody together, or no. is it, do they split it up by based on their neighborhood? Well, it was a pretty brand new thing when they asked me. Okay. Um, it was Dr. Hogue who was who was our superintendent. Yeah. He called, called me in, and he says. You're you're on the preferred sub list, which I'm going. What does that mean? You know, because no one's in there with me. Right. But he goes, we'd like to know if you'd like to teach ESL. And I said, sure. What is it? Because I had no idea. So I I started off with about twelve kids, uh-huh. and I would go from I think I had two schools at that time, and I would go back and forth. I would start one school and go to the other school, okay. and work with them individually because the non-speakers, you know, they're from kindergarten to fourth grade. And I'm not going to put kindergartners with fourth graders, and I didn't really need to. Right. So that's how we had always done it. And then as we got many, many more kids, sometimes I would take three at a time, mm-hmm. and I was still traveling to a couple, at least a couple schools. So yeah, it was amazing what those kids could learn. Yeah, and at that age, those younger ages, they pick up on things so quickly, so fast. By December, they could talk with me. Wow. And they may not be perfect sentences, but right. they we could communicate, and th- but they never t- spoke in class until uh, much later. They would talk to her, but they might not yeah. talk to the regular. Because <laughs> the teachers right. would go to you. Does she say anything to you? Yeah, yeah, she talks to me all the time. Won't talk in class. So yeah, it was it was a great it was a great job. It was a lot of fun. That's great. You sixteen years you did that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. So you went to BYU. What was there something that you were planning on studying or education? Okay. So you got some of the classes around there, just yeah, not the yeah, I just the traditional yeah. path. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, it yeah. sounds like, and it sounds like you're a natural. I love kids. Mm-hmm. I they really are a passion of mine. They're they're fun. I love to see them grow. I love to just 
it's just amazing. Even my little nursery kids, how much they've learned. Right. I got to tell just one story if sure. that's okay. So I was teaching the eight-year-olds, uh -huh. and um, I had my youngest daughter in there with me, and I asked. It was like the Homer's daughter and Kelly and the Fu uh, Fullers. I know uh, a lot of yeah. people don't know it's people like that. So anyway, I the original fish. Yes, yeah, that's right. Darn. <laughs> Anyway, I asked the question, you know, like, who's our prophet today? And they all just looked at me and they, what? I'm going, Kelly, you don't know? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Carolyn Homer, she's brilliant. And right. I'm like, all, they just all looked at me blanked, stares, you know, and I started asking some other questions. And I'm going, oh my gosh, as a mother, I have failed <laughs> my child. So from that moment on, I ask, all these questions mm -hmm. and I do that in the nursery too right what's the name of our church yeah what is this it's the temple who is this Jesus Christ who is our our prophet we would go through the presidency and they learn their names and mm -hmm. stuff and so I do all that kind of and CTR right. because I think yeah you need to know this stuff but, but we just assume that all the kids know that kind right. of stuff and they really don't sometimes it's it's important I, re I remember as a parent that I was not intentionally teaching right things i was i just assumed that they knew right and because yes. so. you live this you know I, every day and go to church every er, week. yeah are you not paying attention three hours <laughs> so so you're byu and and you meet john yeah so how is that from your side well i had a boyfriend that okay. i was dating and we dated for five years and i saw john i thought well He's cute. Maybe I'll have a crush on him. It always made church a little bit more exciting to, to have a crush. Church crush. <laughs> and then he was my home teacher. And um, actually, I never broke up with my boyfriend. Nope. <laughs> They're still going together. 47 years later. They're still dating. Talk about this is not a confessional. But... <laughs> yeah. But he was the one who baptized me. Okay. Your boyfriend was? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So at what point were you baptized? Were you baptized? I waited until I moved out of the house okay. and I was 21. And at that time in this area, they did it by stake. Okay. So it was just a great big Saturday night for baptisms. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it happened there. And it sounds like your mom probably still not super supportive. or Well, she's passed away now, but I think she realized eventually mm -hmm. Um, that I wasn't brainwashed and it really was my choice uh -huh. you know she always said it was it's, it's tradition and I'm going uh, no it's not and then she went to a different Lutheran church she went uh, there's I forget what it's called Missouri Senate Lutheran Church mm -hmm. and we never went to that one and then okay. she did because that's what was convenient for her when um, her latter you know her last few years but um, I think she you know we were able to talk enough mm -hmm that she understood that, I don't know if she ever liked it, truly. Right. You know, but uh, I think she realized that I'm okay. Right. You know, that I'm, I'm really not a- Not ruined. Yeah, okay. yes. <laughs> well, that's yep. as far as she knows. Yes. <laughs> she's watching down now, you know? Right. <laughs> so was I wrong, Mom? <laughs> well, and it was a sweet moment. It was a kind of funny moment, because, you know, we do a lot of family history and stuff, mm -hmm. and my dad, he, he was always funny because, like I said, he always had a cigarette and a beer in his hand, uh -huh. and he loved having the missionaries come over. 
Cool. And he would talk with them all the time. I think he just did it just to give him a bad time, really. <laughs> you know? But I remember this one time he says to me, he goes, Now, when I die, don't you be baptizing me. <laughs> you know, this and that. So, and, and my mom had remarried to Vern, and, you know, he was a good example and a good man. And so I, when I sealed my parents, it was so sweet. The sailor was just saying all these really sweet things. <laughs> I just wanted to crack up because I'm do you know my dad? (laughs) He was really a jokester. He really was a jokester. So I'm sure he was kind of laughing. And then we, I think we sealed my mom to Vern too. So yeah. And then I have a sister. Yes, it will. And I have a brother somewhere in California and my sister's in Colorado and, and she goes to a non-denominal church and she's the, like the secretary there. And my brother, who knows, he's kind of went off the deep end. (laughs) So we haven't seen him in like 30 something years. All right. Yeah. So, John, how many siblings do you have? I have five. No, four. I have a sister and three brothers. Okay. And uh, they're all younger. I'm the oldest. Okay. And um, one lives in Kentucky, and the other three are in Sacramento still. Still in Sacramento? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, one, of the, one of the greatest things in my life, actually, was the day I got to play softball with all three of my brothers. Oh, that would be fun. And we were the infield, because the youngest brother is 13 years younger than me. So uh-huh. when I went away to school at 16, he was still very young. But... There was a there was a time it was very fun That's to be able cool. to do that. So is uh, baseball, softball, is that your your sport of choice? It would be my sport of choice. Okay, and yes. I know there was one time in Elders Quorum you talked about how you had a chance. To yeah, I think. Big. So I, I was very young, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting thing happened is when I was in my probably before I was even nine or ten years old, I made a decision that I would not play on Sundays. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and as I got older, I realized that um, that was a choice I was going to have to make. But after, because after I was 15, all of the hardball, all the baseball teams, leagues played on Sundays. And I chose not to play on that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I even wanted to come to BYU and play here. And it was a little awkward to me because the, the boys who got the scholarships were the ones who played on Sundays. Ah. And those of us who didn't, didn't. That was a moment of like you go... Oh, really? <laughs> but, right. but, you know, um, in the long run, I may not have served a mission. I may not have gotten to Switzerland. I may not have okay. learned to speak German so that I could help deep as we uh, researched her Saxon gen, you know, um, progenitors yeah. in, in Romania. I mean, I, you know, I've told you before, I think that all these things work together mm-hmm. well in advance until things all come to this moment that the Lord has been setting up sometimes for generations. And I'm 100% sure that I spoke German for the night that, that Dieter came across the, baptist, the birth or christening record of her grandmother oh, that's in the Family History Center so that she could call me so I could go down her and we could read what it said and then find her, her grandmother's sister who had died when she was 11 days old a couple wow. of years Which before Which I was that. always told she was an only child. Okay. And we, I was always told my grandpa was an only child. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, no, he wasn't. Maybe not. No. Yeah. We, have, we found that out when we went to Romania to yeah. find. And we found out that, yeah. yeah. So you have, Dieter, you have family from Romania, right? Well, they're German. They're Saxon oh. Germans, and they lived in Romania. Okay. In Transylvania. Yeah. Transylvania. Which I was talking to Marcine about this earlier, and, and she said, I thought that was just a, a storybook place. It's not, <laughs> it's not a real place. And so I, I had heard that you guys had, had uh, done some family history trips out there. So what got you interested, um, and really for both of you, what got you interested in family history? Because I know, John, 
is the family history, Temple and Family History Leader for the Ward. Mm-hmm. And I, both of you have been heavily involved for a long time. So what got you interested? Well, when going to Young Women's, they always told us we should have our four generations. Right. So I would ask my mom, and she'd go, oh, just, just leave the dead alone, you know, uh-huh. type thing. But she would always send me the newspaper articles about the Saxons. My grandma, and, and she would answer questions. If she knew the answer, she would tell, mm-hmm. answer the questions. And I would talk to my grandma, and she would answer questions. But it was funny because she would always send me these newspaper articles, like the names of these little villages that my ancestors were from okay. and, and what they've changed to now and that kind of stuff. Because all those Saxons, when they came back to, or they came to America, they all kind of went in the same area, mm-hmm. and they had their little Saxon lodges and do, do things together that way. But um, I kept all those. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't have computers at the time. And so I had no idea how to get any information. And I had gone to Salt Lake until later. So when they called me, it was like, um, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. You're calling me, why? But right. I, it was grateful, like, because the story with, my, you all heard it anyway, but when when I went, I thought, well, I better learn how to use this film thing. Yeah. And so I was going, and I'm just going, I don't know what this says. And I had been rolling and rolling, and, and I thought, I, I'm done with this. And I started unrolling. I was rolling it back, and I stopped, and smack dab in the middle of the page was my grandma and my great-grandpa and great-grandma. Wow. And that's when I called John and say, hey, can that's you cool. come here right now? Yeah. And I told him he came over, and he started looking, and that's when we found out that... My grandmother had a sister, sister. who died um, before her, and, and then he just kept going back and back and back. Mm-hmm. And but there was there was so much more to it because he didn't understand old German. Uh-huh. Well, working at Roche, there's a lady there. Her her father taught. He was a professor and taught old German. Oh, cool! So the, he was able to get some answers through that. Uh-huh. And then w- before we went to Romania, you want to tell him about Katerina? So, yeah, so, um, so we, we thought, you know, we can't find her grandfather's information. Uh-huh. And he wouldn't tell anybody. And so one day I looked at her and I said, I think we need to go to Romania. I mean, I, I think we can't go to anything else. We've been talking about time. it, but I think maybe it's time we need to do this. And I went into work the next day and I sat down and this woman sat down next to me. Mm-hmm. And she was brand new. I'd never seen her before. And I looked at her and I said, hi, I'm John Ogden. Who are you? And she goes, my name is Katarina Lala. And I said, that's interesting. Where are you from? I'm from Romania. Wow. I said, <laughs> my, my wife's family is from Romania. She goes, where? And I told her where she goes, oh, I was born about 30 miles north of that. Wow. I thought, huh. I said, well, what are you here for? She goes, I'm here on a six-month exchange. Huh. Oh. Well, we were thinking of going there, and she said, my best friend has been a travel agent her whole life. <laughs> Right, you're shaking your head and you're thinking, this is incredible, right? right? And we said, I go, huh. I said, well, do you think she would help her? She goes, I know she would help you. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I said, Dietra, I said, I think we're going to Romania. <laughs> and I, uh, we figured out how many miles it would take me. It would take me 110,000 miles on my United thing. And it turned out I had 113. Nice. And, uh, and so we were able to, four years ago, this t- at this time of year, able to make a trip to Romania. So great. But it's it, everything. She didn't. She didn't mention the fact that um, that these records that we are having a, such a difficult time reading through on the microfiche 
I was sitting one evening, one Monday evening, just on my iPad, uh-huh. and I put in Felsendorf, which is the name of the town that her her grandfather is from, and baptism, uh-huh. right? And and uh, and I and I put Taufen because that's the, the German. And I just put that in, and I hit enter, and I hit a blog spot. Huh. And I thought this is interesting, and it turns out it was a blog from a woman who was a Saxon descendant in Canada, but not a member of the church who had completely extracted that entire microfiche and others wow. into a database in but she English. wouldn't in English but she wouldn't share it huh. and she hadn't put it in ancest- ancestry or anything like that and uh, but I said well but I said hi you don't know me my name is John Ogden I'm married to Dia to reside her pound blah, 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 blah. she t- writes back to me oh I know who you are your wife is my my mother's third you know cousin twice removed or wow. something like that and you're in my database I went we're in your database. Yeah, you're in my database. But so the interesting thing is that, is that uh, I, she wouldn't share her database, but I was looking at other places. And I found the flat files. So she had put the flat files online. Uh-huh. So essentially now I have the spreadsheets of her entire database. And I spent the last seven years entering her database into Family Search. Oh, cool. So we have 2,930 reserved names, which is. A little much. It could take a couple weeks. It could take us a little <laughs> while. And we are in the process of sharing them. But the interesting thing to me about that whole story, this goes back to, again, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that sacrifice brings forth the blessings of heaven. Uh-huh. And that our Heavenly Father just expects us to show interest, become anxiously engaged, and then He starts to fill it in, just like He does with the atonement. Every, all of a sudden, doors open and things happen. Uh-huh. And uh, so even though... This database was incomplete, and even though the records are not 100%, I'm able to follow Dietz's family back as they moved around between these three little towns in the mount, in the foothills of Transylvania, mm-hmm. such that I can follow her family, because the records in Felsendorf go to a certain date. And I was like, oh. But I find out, you know what? Her great-great-grandfather, though, moved from Christ uh-huh. over the hill to that time. And I look there, I find him. And I go back, and then I fall into Malmkrog, and I find them as they move between them, so that we could get back to 1690. Wow! In a direct lineage for her, even though none of the records went back that way all by themselves. Uh huh. So it's um. So I, I'm I'm not a family history person just because it was in my. I mean, I I did my four generation when I was a freshman at BYU because right. the president of the church said everybody should do this, and my dad sent me this book you know, about three inches deep of all these records. And I said, okay, well, I guess I don't need to do very much. Right. So I'm, like I said, I'm lucky I married somebody who, who needed things to do. And, and we don't, you don't know, in two weeks we're going to Scotland because the other side of her family is from Scotland, from an area southwest of Glasgow called Paisley, which is the name of our oldest daughter that we didn't know that when we named her that. Interesting. And she's going with us. Yeah. That'll be fun. It yeah. will be. So Romania, was that your only trip so far for family history? Or have you made other trips? No, that was well, it. Well, actually, my parents were born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Okay. I had never been to Gary. I had never been to Indiana. I, uh, you know, growing up in California, California. Yeah. I think I got to come to Indiana for the first time for, I think it was the summer after my senior year. Uh-huh. And we stayed with my grandmother and my aunt and my cousins over there. In, in they were in Maryville. Yeah. Maryville. Okay. Oh no, Portage. Oh, yeah. Portage. Oh, yeah. And and I forget. Grandma was in Gary at one time, but my parents were both raised there, and they hated the cold. 
Mm-hmm. And so they were fairly young when they moved to California. And my dad was in the Navy and they got married and had the three of us. So I felt like even though we went, I went from California to Utah to Virginia to Tennessee to here, I felt like I had finally made a full circle yeah. to where I should be. Uh-huh. So, it's, so is this the this is the place that you've lived the longest? I'm guessing uh-huh. you've been here since you said '89. Yeah, yeah, yeah. '1989. Yeah, sure. Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been at Roche all that time? The whole time. Yes, I have. Okay. So I, there's not a lot of people that get to work at the same place for 33 years. True. It's a, I enjoy I enjoy it a lot, and I feel like we make. Uh, we, we impact people's lives. Prior to this, I worked for an entrepreneurial startup um, cancer research firm in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun as well, but I enjoyed the, my job here. Yeah. And Roche is nice and close. That's, a, that's why <laughs> another reason, reason why we yeah. live where we live. <laughs> right. right? I, I went from work to the closest church uh-huh. to the closest open lot, nice. built house. Well, that, that works out well. So Scotland... Um, Another family family history trip is your. Do you have um, foreign family trips for you, John, or is it no. mostly your no Wait, pioneer uh, stock and yeah, it's pioneer stock. Um, the Ogdens is a, a history. It's not there are not a lot of Ogdens in the world. We the name came from Oakden, which was a group of people who lived in a den of oak trees. A a, a, a duke or something like that was ousted by his brother. He ran. They hid him. Uh-huh. Um, when he was able to take it back, he gave them the last name of Oakden. So everybody who lived in that group was all given the same last name. And so our family crest is like oak leaves and acorns. It's not like lions and tigers. It's oak leaves and acorns. That's really cool. Right. But, um, and, and so they're in an area and we went near that area when Kelly was, um, was married because she, she, uh, met her husband on a mission when they were in Berlin. Okay. He's from Southampton. So they were married to London temple. Cool. And when we went over, we, we traveled around a little bit and went near there, but we didn't take time to go. Okay. But maybe we'll do that. There's my family history. Every once in a while, I find a green leaf, uh-huh. right? When I'm going back and I say, oh, we can do something for somebody. But Yay. most of them, it's not much chance um, on any side. But there's, it's a lot of wide open space. Yeah. It sounds like there's you, a you, lot. You heard Dee say that she's the only member of her family. But right. we say, well, she once was. Now there's several thousand. True. That's true. And Romania and Scotland and other what other countries do you come from or is that England, England a little bit the family that well, was yeah, in Scotland family, yeah. is a little bit English but the one side is purely grammar you say was okay yeah and, uh, and the other side are English and Scottish cool well that'll be a fun trip yeah we think so so um, little family history maybe I'm so. hoping we're gonna get to see their homes even that would be yeah. so cool yeah. it's because I found census records uh-huh and so when you find census records, they will tell you the address of the people. Right. And so we have resides, and it tells them where they lived. And we have identified sort of this little triangle space off of a road. Mm-hmm. And there's still something there. There's no houses there. But we, we're going to go there and see if they know that the reside, or if there are mem- descendants in that area that yeah. didn't come to the United States. And Yeah, it's, it should be fun. That would be fun. So how far back is, is the Scottish side? Is that... Back to this. I think it's it's back much further than my mom's side, yes. or my dad, my mom, grandpa's side, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, especially on your on your um, on your grandfather's side, yeah. we only on your maternal grandfather's side, right. we only get to about one generation behind that. So, but um, 
there are parts of the Scottish that, that are also in the 1700s. Mm -hmm. and, and part of the reason we're going is Paisley got a grant from the Eli, Eli Dilly Foundation nice. to go to Scotland to do genealogy as oh, a teacher. Cool. So that's so that's funding her part of the trip. Uh -huh. and we're just sort of coming along for fun. But Might as well. Know, yep. <laughs> that's how I felt. Should Good be. week. I'm coming. Yep. That's right. We're coming. Well, that's great. Well, what else do we need to know about the Ogden family? We're competitive. We're loud. <laughs> we are that. Um, we have 21 grandkids. You yes. said that. We're between the ages of 6 and 23, or is Emma 24 now? September should be 24. Yeah. Three have graduated from high school. One graduates next week. Cool. Those of them who knew Courtney... Yeah. His graduation is next week, from, ah, and he will yeah. go on to IU. Cool. Um, other than that, the next one is a freshman, I think, mm -hmm. right? Three of them are freshmen. Yeah. Oh, no, Lucy. She'll be a freshman or sophomore. Lucy's going to be a sophomore. sophomore, I think. Now, do you have, is most of your family still local? Everybody's local except for Jamie and her family. Okay. And they're in Arizona, but moving to Utah. Yeah. Oh, okay. her, her husband has, works for CES and has been a coordinator of institutes and and seminaries in uh -huh. the Mesa area. Um, and yes, yeah, they just kind of tell you where they need you. And yeah, uh -huh. they do. You and can he, say he, where you'd like to go. Uh -huh. You know, jobs open and you can apply for them. And essentially, though, he is moving to Salt Lake because last week they asked him to join the curriculum group. Okay. So he's been a field writer for curriculum, uh -huh. and they said we want you full time. So he's moving. They're moving to Salt Lake, so he can continue the work in writing. Cool. The he didn't apply. The they just called him. Yes, yeah, he did. He said they, they, they. He said the person who called him says you do such a good job. Well, I was told that if we don't, if we don't hire you and bring you up, we're crazy. So we're asking, do you want to move to Salt Lake? And That's nice. yeah, so. Um, well, it's funny because he's he's thought about he wants to move back to Utah. That's where he's from, and he looks at the jobs and stuff. And uh -huh. Jamie keeps saying it's not time. It's not time. Right. But he's he's the bishop, and he's going to be five years and five months. So it's getting close and, to And I anyways. said, yeah, I kept going, Jamie, they, they replace bishops all the time. It's okay. <laughs> right. You can you know? But anyway, she kept, no, it's just not time. And then it was like, I guess it is time. Yeah. So he starts June 1st. So Paisley, our daughter Paisley and her family are in Carmel. Okay. I, I right. Yeah. Carmel Kelly, and, I Kelly, and, Ward, Kelly yeah. and her family are in Anderson, Pendleton. Are, are in Pendleton, but they go to Anderson Ward. Okay. Pais and Vandy and her family are in Indy Third Ward, okay, on the south side. Uh, Brum and his family are in Noblesville Ward, and they just moved out here from where are they? Washington. Washington. State. State. Okay, I knew. I thought it was yes. So he's a gospel doctrine teacher in cool. the, in Noblesville Ward, and uh, and then Tristan lives in Fortville. In Fortville. Okay, so pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I remember most of those kids as uh, they were growing up. It's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> I just remember you guys had yeah. the booger, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, we did have the booger. Yeah, yeah that's that's a story all by itself. Yeah. All right. So, so since I brought it up, um, the booger was a car. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, and it was called it was that because Subaru. it was a really ugly green Subaru station it wagon. Had, what a two by six. Yeah, I drew. Um, I drilled a couple of two by six together because the bumper fell off. No, it got hit. Oh yeah, it got hit, but it it got so bad I yeah. took it off, and I took two two by sixes and <laughs> nailed them together, and then 
bolted it on and then took a router and wrote the boogie on it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that. And, and nobody ever pulled us over. I, I, it's, it's very odd when you think about that. But I don't... When Jamie was in the eighth grade, her teacher mm-hmm. was this, they were in class and he says, I got to tell you a story. Because I saw the ugliest car on the freeway this morning, and the bumper said the bugger. And the kids are all going, "That's Kelly's car." I'm so proud. <laughs> that's changed. Yeah, that's I know it changed hands. Yeah, we oh, gave yes. it to Josh French. Yeah, yeah. And he got pulled over once by a policeman who thought he was pulling over our daughter. <laughs> and, and he and he comes up. He goes, "You're not You're Jamie." Jamie. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's a good car. Yeah, yeah. worth a hundred bucks. And, yeah, and that's what you need for that's a what we paid new for, driver. Yeah. Yes. Josh thought he was a race car driver, and it's like, dude, it's going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, we talked to Marsha French last week and talked a little bit about Josh and some of the mm-hmm. the fun that we had. So, well, this has been great for me to talk to you guys and get to know you a little bit more, uh, even though we were interrupted by a little power outage. and. <laughs> That's, that's our life. <laughs> that's right. We just kind of roll with whatever. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. Let me just um, ask you to, to wrap up. Tell us about how your how your testimony has grown through your through your family history experience. We'll start with John and then go with Dietra. Um, so I think going back to the, the idea that I said that um, that there's a time for everything under heaven. That uh, I tell you, we weren't we weren't looking for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deed had been called to be a family history consultant. I stayed at home on Tuesdays when she went down there. Um, she was doing things and and uh, she'd ask me questions every once in a while, but it wasn't the focus of what we were doing. Right. And uh, and we kind of got hit over the head by, uh, okay, I, I've laid I've set this all up for you. Now mm-hmm. I, I'll say that she'd been praying for forty years. Okay. That somehow this would happen. Yeah. But you never know exactly how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, but at the time it did happen, we weren't necessarily working night and day. But since then, um, the amount of joy that you find in 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 searching records and finding names and putting families together, and and there is nothing that's more fun than finding a child that somebody forgot. Yeah. And and realizing when you're hunting through these records and you come across somebody. And then for us, it is when we go to the temple, and maybe you want to elaborate that on more, but she, the way that she does it now is that she looks through those records, finds families, assigns all the people out to our children mm-hmm. to have the work done. And then when all of that is done, then we, we uh, a couple of years ago, we had a chance with most of our children were here to go to the temple. And, and, uh, and the sealer, we were with them, and we basically just took time to seal families that's neat. That we had done all the work. And uh, and she can elaborate on it, but we like to have all of the children sealed at one time. Not one at a time, but all around the altar at the same time. And the sealers will do that if you ask. If you ask. And that's that's a thing, is that most people don't know you can do that. Right. So And Brother Hammond works on Thursday with us, and uh-huh. so he knows my, my rules. Like, <laughs> no, they have all been waiting. They all get to go together. Right. But yeah. it, it the coolest thing is... So I always do, and I always have to find people to come and help. And I've mm-hmm. been able to like grab the Viernas. Do you remember them? Yes, the Viernas. So and and they had never done it as a group, yeah. and people, I mean, young people and stuff. And it is so fun when you have like six to ten kids and the parents, and you're all around the altar, and everyone is giggling because you're squishing in there, you know. <laughs> right. And and it's how it should be. Yeah. And it is. It. I think it. It makes it. 
It's it so makes, special. It so real. It's so but This special. is not just yeah. a yes. ceremony. This yeah. is, we're really yeah. families. And the happiness that the families must feel at that moment yes. is, it's contagious. Yeah. It, it's, you get addicted to this. It's, yeah. it's just like, oh, we gotta, we gotta do this. We gotta do this. And it's, and it, and I think for me, I think the thing that hits the hardest is that really families are together forever. Mm-hmm. And, and I have learned who my grandmother is, my great grandmas. I have the two, I, you've heard all of this story, but you know, my grandmother, my grandmother's mother died when she was 18 months old and her sister took her on as her own and raised her. Okay. So my mom only knows her biological grandmother, her sister. Uh-huh. And right. so, um, I, I just, so I, I have a big picture of her that my mom gave me when, when I left and I, I just feel like I have this bond with her. Yeah. And, and I don't want to take that away from my grandmother's biological mother because, right. you know, how special that bond was uh-huh. that they could be together. So, you know, I think when I die, I'm having a big party and I'm going to meet a whole lot of people. And I'm right. so excited about meeting them. That really, so I am. Great. And I love the idea of finding a lost child. Yeah. Finding that person that you yeah. didn't know was there and, and getting them connected with the family. Yeah. That's and great. we've done that too. And it's like my uncle. He was the last one to be sealed to the family. I, it, I mean, it's really, it's a special moment. Yeah. It really is a special moment. But I, it's the only way I'll do it. Uh-huh. The entire family together. Get them all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thanks so much for listening. I'm talking not to you guys. Thanks for talking. <laughs> thanks for sharing your stories. And thanks to the ward members who listen. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward Podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.